You're listening to The People's Wrestling Podcast with your host, Ali Bunker. Yes, welcome to The People's Wrestling Podcast, episode 32 of The People's Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I'm joined this week by Bunker to my right. Aiden, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Same as always, good to know. Matt, we're on, you're on the phone this week. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good, good. That's what we like to hear. Now, we've got a very special episode of the People's Wrestling Podcast for you this week. Um, we're going to do a little bit more than what we usually do with our Raw and SmackDown recaps. We're going to be focusing on uh, a particular championship in WWE, which has been around since 1979. Um it holds a very special place in a lot of our hearts. It is, of course, the Intercontinental Championship, currently held by Seth Rollins, who's putting on some of the best performances of his career and some of the best IC title matches that we've seen in a long time. So we're going to be discussing some of that uh, later on in the show. Um, I think we'll start just quickly, um, not the full recap that we usually do, with Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. I'm not even going to play the theme tunes this week. That's can't be bothered. Wasn't much of note, really, was there? No. no, it wasn't the greatest. So, I mean, Raw, Aiden, what were your thoughts on uh, Monday Night Raw this week? What stood out to you, be it negative or positive? Probably negative. Um, regardless of how bad um, storylines or un- how uninteresting storylines may be, you can always rely on good matches currently in uh-huh. WWE. That's a good point, yeah. Namely? Oh, all right. Uh, we got Kevin Owens and Roman this week. Yes, we did, mostly. Um, Inconclusive ending, obviously. That was match of the night up until then. For Alexa and Ember was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finn and Braun, I thought it was very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a good, good in ring storytelling. Um, it's about how about out of the ring, Matt? I'm going to come to you for some of your thoughts on out of the ring, and Aiden, I'll come back to you after. A lot of negativity online and just generally around about the uh, Sami Zayn, Bobby Lashley sisters segment. What were your thoughts? Hmm. <laughs> In this day and age, why can't they just find three women? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because then Bobby Lashley wouldn't have been able to beat them up. Yeah, but he doesn't need to, does he, really? <laughs> well, this segment didn't need to happen, let's face it. It's born no. out of the back of a terrible, terrible segment where he was interviewed about it for no reason. Uh, and <laughs> there's, there's not really furthering anything. What's the, well, what's the no, point no. in we'll it? We'll go back to why did he even come back? Well, okay, <laughs> there is that I'm, point. Unfinished business, he says. Is it? Well, he hasn't business. grown his eyebrows out yet. Yeah. He was <laughs> shit then, he's shit now. He won a lot in TNA, shows you how shit TNA is. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was thinking <laughs> this week, is that he looked good in TNA because he wasn't surrounded by the best yeah um, exactly and for someone he's, he's been in the ring now for over 10 years um and he just seems very like he seems very unnatural anyway but when you compare him like if you, if you were to put him in a ring against either Sami Zayn or kevin owens who are two of the best workers in the company 
he just looks really he just looks amateur it's just it's shocking his facial expressions are the worst it just, it just I've very, ever seen it, to me it very much just feels like they're trying to force a personality on someone who doesn't necessarily need or have or have one one um <laughs> Just have him come in and be the destroyer. You don't have to have him coming out, having a good time, having a joke and a laugh, beating up some trannies. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure trannies is the uh, appropriate terminology, but um, yeah, this is just in 2018, this, this segment, not only was it rubbish, but it was bordering on, well, not even bordering on, it was pretty offensive. To, the, to a lot of people, anyway. I'm not easily Main, offended. Yeah, mainly just to my eyes. <laughs> but just anything with Bobby Lashley in it is pretty offensive to me. Well, I'll be honest, I fell asleep watching it the first time. And you watched it again? <laughs> I have watched it again, yeah. Oh, dear. Um, I don't know why. Right, well, we'll move I on from I that segment. I thought I might have missed something. We'll move on that from that segment. Because uh, it oh, really? was bad. I've got so much more to say about it. <laughs> no, we've, we've spent too long talking about it already. Um, Why does he wear a bandana? <laughs> it's a headband. It's a headband. Um, it's one of John Cena's armbands. <laughs> uh, let's move on from that then. So I was trying to be funny, but you just didn't get it. Do you want to be trying to be funny again, Matt? No, because you sent me the clip earlier. And I'm just saying what Kevin Owens said in the clip. When Kevin Owens said it, it was funny. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just it was, trying it was, to repeat it. It was more about the delivery. <laughs> Don't worry, Matt. We find you funny. Um, Fuck you. <laughs> moving on from that then. So, as Aiden, I'll come back to you um, with the in-ring action. Firstly, I want to talk about Braun versus Finn. You put out a tweet, I think, on our, on our Twitter account when you were watching it, saying that if WWE had any doubt about Finn as a main eventer, and uh, they just have to watch the match he put on with Braun. What made what made him stand out to you in this match? I think it. I, I don't know if it was mainly because like I, with Braun at the moment, he's pretty. He's one of the only kind of. We've always had big monsters, um, and he's pretty much the only one at the moment of any real considerable size. Um, I know you've got Cass, and to an extent you've got uh, Drew, Drew McIntyre. McIntyre. They called him Galloway. Not Galloway. Um, but yeah, Braun is just that monster. And it, this kind of match, kind of in a, in a way, made me miss heel Strowman in that you get these underdogs versus monster matches that you don't necessarily get if he's the face. Yeah. Because you don't want to root for the, the smaller guy in that instance. Um, it kind of made me miss that scenario. And Finn just fit it very well. He sold very well. And then when it came time to get the upper hand or make the comeback, it looked very convincing. And there was kind of a moment where you thought, oh, he could win this, um, which doesn't always happen. So, yeah, I thought, and, and the crowd were getting really behind him as well. I think that's, that's been some of the criticism of Finn, is that he's not necessarily connecting with the fans and it look like he was in this instance mm. to me. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think, um, I mean, a lot of people talk about Seth Rollins being on a roll at the minute, and he clearly is. But I think Finn is sort of, caref- somewhat carefully, but sort of quietly flying below the radar a little bit in terms of momentum 
heading into Money in the Bank as well, a match that he's qualified for. Um, so I'm really interested to see just what plans they do have for Finn, actually, after after seeing him main event with Braun. I mean, we kind of all knew Braun was going to win. Yeah. It doesn't damage Finn, I don't think. Uh, and then there was obviously a little show of respect after the match from Braun to Finn, which is different. Um especially from Braun so yeah I think it'd be really interesting to see where they go with Finn on this one Matt what did you make of the uh, main event on Raw oh it was great just to see them two as uh, both faces just going at each other I thought it was a really good match I thought they both showed signs of strength and Finn really sold well yeah but I just, I just, I can't see what they're going to do with Finn. I just, because this money in the bank is stacked. Yeah. And I can't see, I can't see Finn winning it. So then I don't know what they do with Finn because they're not going to put him against Brock Lesnar, are they? No, probably not. Well, you know, I mean, rumour has it they were planning that a while back, but did, then ditched it. Uh, it used to say they won't come back to it, but I don't know. It's, it is an odd one with Finn. I think he's he does, belongs at the top of the card, but the guys who are at the top of the card, I don't see him working with them. Yeah, I just can't. I just It's, it's sad, because I'd like to see him back at the top winning the main title because could you imagine him and AJ being the main holders of the titles Mm, it'd just it'd just be great for the company I think they'd probably be be considered too similar I reckon they would have one or the other at a time yeah I think that's a good point Um, I don't think they have much in the way of history of picking two champions who are very similar for both brands yeah there's usually a distinct big guy, little guy yeah exactly um, but it, to me it makes perfect sense I mean you have one New Japan guy in Finn against one I say New Japan more TNA but sort of some New Japan Bullet Club guy in, in AJ Styles have them as rival champions and rival brands I mean Obviously, we don't want any sort of unification match because that goes down to one title and that's that's wrong. We give them a champ versus champ match yeah. at Survivor Series. Yeah, just or, was it, yeah, or Survivor Series of AJ versus Brock, right? Mm-hmm. So there's something similar this year would be great. Um, it's the only night a year, by the way, where Raw and Superstar Smackdowns go in direct head to head competition. It's not though, is it? Not anymore. <laughs> and the guys behind us at Raw the other week will have you know that they <laughs> compete on main event every yeah. week. Um, even though they don't Um, even though they were talking absolute bollocks (laughs) most of the time as well Um, how about Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax that segment what do we make of that why I know I guess it it worked it it was done in a way to stir up tension but why does Stephanie have to fucking just rip everyone down at every opportunity she can get because she's mean she's a bitch I know she's probably written that way but like you're trying to sell your monster female and you're the baddest woman on the planet and Stephanie's just there tearing them both down and getting away with it 
I, I know it, it kind of worked in that it was designed to drive up tension between she the two. Stirring and, the pot, weren't she? And it, it did. Um, it gave them a bit of a story going into it, and I guess they put her in that position because, like, we've got two people who are not very good at talking, um, and Kurt is sometimes good, sometimes not. So I thought she she did it brilliantly because there was no story going in. Yeah, like there it, wouldn't have been much of a story to tell unless Stephanie said something. It worked, no, it worked fine. It's just that, like, just throughout the night, she's back for one night, and it's just every interaction she'd have with a wrestler, she'd be find a way to belittle them. It's just annoying. Yeah, you just have to do it every time. That's, that's the hill that she is, and that she plays it brilliantly. Yeah, no, I get that. It's just doing it every time she's on screen just gets annoying to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's scope for her to be maybe play a slightly different character in in certain situations um but i don't know i've quite liked i thought it worked quite well with this with this segment because i think the way that the, the story they were trying to tell is nia jackson ronda rousey had been very sort of pally pally in this whole announcement thing it's all kind of gone like like and your favorite thing friendly rivalries um but i think stephanie was trying to as you say drive that wedge stir it up a little bit and cause some animosity and some real actual reasons as to why they're fighting. Because we don't really have one. And I just went, I want to challenge Ronda Rousey. And it's like, well, why? Why would you as a champion want to challenge someone like Ronda Rousey? I just I just don't necessarily like the, the narrative of, oh, I want to make a name for myself by challenging Ronda when you're already the champion. Yeah. Because that's WWE telling me that Nia's not that important or not that big. If she has to make a name for herself or like while being a champion, well, I don't know because other champions have done it. In what way? Against someone who's only had one match, two matches. No, but she's supposedly this baddest woman on the planet. So, for me, if you're if you, well, it's just like the best team in the world saying, "All right." There's this new up and coming team. I'm going to take them on. It's exactly the same as that. I like it. I like the fact that they're doing that. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind it. I think I'm I'm all for it. I think the the, the added animosity that Stephanie stirred up actually adds to it. Um, and I think I quite like the sort of baddest woman on the planet against the the raw the raw women's champion sort of narrative. I think that that works pretty well, um, and I think whoever wins comes out stronger. Yeah, the problem I'm having is I can't see Ronda not winning, but there's got to be some. She doesn't deserve to win <laughs> yet. I'm, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's going to be a straight up. I, I've been anticipating a kind of um, uh, a Ronda Natalia feud over the yeah. summer. So. Does Natalia win and cash in on Ronda? Right, that'd be a bit weird, but... You know what? It probably wouldn't be a terrible idea. Then have the pursuit of Ronda to Natalia. It'd be a bit of an anticlimax in that Ronda's crowning moment is A, at money in the bank, and B, gets taken away very quickly. It's not like we've had to wait a long time for her crowning moment. No. I think it'd be more of an anticlimax to have Natalia win the money in the bank ladder match. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> 
we'll have Alexa win it and cash in on Nia after Ronda breaks Nia's arm, um, mm. supposedly, and gets disqualified for not letting go or some bullshit like that. Yeah. Does a Ken know. Shamrock and slams the referees and gets the decision overturned after she originally wins. Yeah, something. I watched that match today. Did you? Yeah. I watched it a couple yeah. weeks ago. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, um, just coming back to Natalia point, how about if Ronda does win, um, she has some sort of, it's, well, actually, no, it's a pretty heelish thing to do, but I was going to say she has some sort of celebration on Raw the next night. And Natalia comes out to her, like celebrate with her, but then turns on her. Mm, maybe. I just. I don't want with, with, to with like a, with a fresh Ronda like that. Mm. You have to beat her down. Yeah, with, you have to like a chair or something. Yeah, maybe. It's not a very female thing to do, though. They don't do that. I guess not. Um, Should we move on? We'll move on. I think we'll move on to SmackDown now, just to sort of speed things along. Um, SmackDown. Actually, I, I quite enjoyed SmackDown this week. I thought it was good. It just was a little bit. It just didn't progress much. So we started off with a really good segment, I thought, with The Miz and The New Day. And any time you have Miz and The New Day in the ring, I think, on the mic anyway, you're going to have a pretty good segment on your hands. But I like this one. Um, went on a little bit long. Um, Miz didn't know the name of the game Fortnite, so that was funny. Um, but yeah, I thought this segment was good. I was kind of hoping that we'd get some sort of answer to who The New Day are going to enter into the match at Money in the Bank. But I liked... Xavier Woods' explanation on commentary about not giving away their game plan. Yeah, I didn't get to hear hear too much on commentary while Xavier was on. Um, and there's still, what, four weeks to the pay-per-view? Yeah, so we've got there's ages. No rush. There's enough time for each of them to face the Miz separately yeah, <laughs> if they, they wanted they, to. They, they could announce it on the go-home Smackdown if yeah. they wanted to. Yeah. Oh, I think they'll announce it, announce it on the night. Oh, yeah, that might work, actually. That's, well, I think that's what they'll do, yeah. I think they'll all come out yeah, they'll come out yeah. and then do the whole whoo thing. Maybe I'll have a pancake eating contest to see who can wrestle uh, in the match. I love the who, shame. Who do we think it's going to be? Shame. Xavier Woods. Um, I don't know. I'm torn. I don't think it should be Kofi. I don't think it will be Kofi. Because I think he's had those matches before. He doesn't come across as a legitimate threat to winning. But if you go in that route, I think. Big E is the only option, right? I think Xavier will be in it. He's been getting a bit more of the spotlight lately, but yeah. I, I think I think it'll be him. I think Xavier Woods goes in and performs outperforms everyone, but doesn't win. Yeah, he gets everyone's attention. Yeah, and then maybe he's like, maybe Miss was right. These guys are holding me back. Yeah. And Xavier screws the new day. <laughs> I could never see that happening. <laughs> never. The new day are going to split up at some point. Well, you'd hope so. I mean, I say hope. You'd think so. <laughs> but, um, you know, I like them. As, yeah. a, as a trio, I think they're bloody they're, hilarious. Yeah. New they day get just starting to get a little bit annoying for me at the minute. They went for a, for me. It went for a phase about a year ago where I was like, okay, I'm done with the new day now. When when they have nothing to do, yeah, they get it's a little bit tedious. When they have a meaningful feud, yeah, then they're 
one of the best tag teams. Yeah, well, they're all great well, in the ring, right? And they have great chemistry. Um, just give them someone, someone decent to feud with, and there you go, you got it, you know. Um, but we'll move on from that. So that that actually escalated into a match between Biggie and Miz, which the Miz won after inf- in interference by the bar. Uh, Six man tag obviously was made for. Shout out to Kofi Kingston jumping on, <laughs> on off Cesaro's of Cesaro's shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. Fucking hell, that was brilliant. That was good. Um, but yeah, the six man tag was made for next week. Obviously, that was coming. Uh, the rest of SmackDown then. So I mean, okay, we had Daniel Bryan versus Jeff Hardy in the main event, which uh, actually was a really good match, which isn't really a, lot a surprise. Of people really pissed off with the ending, though. I mean, it was a little bit abrupt. Um, but it made sense. Like, he went after the knee, he did the dragon screw into the heel hook, um, and that seems to be his finish now. Which well, know, A lot of people really not happy about it. A lot of Twitter beef. What have you seen? I've not seen I don't know, I haven't seen any. I've seen quite a bit saying that um, it wasn't the way that they should have made Jeff Hardy tap and it made Jeff Hardy look weak. I didn't think that at all, but that's what people are saying. Well, that's, inter- that's an interesting thought. I mean, part of me thinks maybe they could have had it, he could have locked in for a bit longer, or, um, you know, a yes lock might have been more effective. But That's this, what a lot of people are saying. This it seems, should have been the yes lock. This seems to be his new finish, right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it looks great. It looks really painful, that move. Yeah, it does. The way he does the dragon screw into it as well looked really painful um, and Jeff it just reminded me how great Jeff Hardy is at selling he's one of the best on the main ro- or on the current roster anyway but I think of of modern times he's just one of those ones where like everything looks painful yeah it probably is to be fair like he he doesn't always bump like a trained wrestler. Yeah. He'll bump like the way that someone would bump if they got knocked off yeah. the apron. Just the way he, yeah, when he got kicked by Dan Bryan into the barricade and just sort of went tumbling back into back it. Of his neck. Hit his head back of his head on it, yeah. Corey said his chin like touched his chest. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just great selling from Jeff and he made the finish oh, look good. Mum even went, I wonder how many times he's broken his ribs because he's always holding his stomach. Like, I don't think he ever actually has. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Never get, he never gets injured. Imagine doing a swanton with broken ribs. Imagine doing a swanton with Daniel Bryan's knees on your oh, back. Oh, yeah, that looked really painful. For Daniel Bryan as well. For both. For yeah. both. Um, so I'm quite glad neither of them seemed to come out of that. Um, okay, injured. It kind of put... Do we think this match finished this way because Jeff Hardy is carrying that knee injury that people's um, posted online? Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking about it um, when they did it this way. Because um, I don't know if outside of maybe the WrestleMania match, I don't even know if he used it then. I can't remember him using his running knee. He hasn't, I don't think. He went for it, didn't he, against Jeff Hardy, but had it swatted away. And I don't think he's used it yet. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if it's Oh, no, he, it's... he did use it on Sammy to set up the yes lock. Did he? Yeah. So I don't know Sammy if it's because it's too with... similar to the King Shasa or whatever, but... I mean, WWE. Hideo Itami a bit like created that, that move. Did he? Mm. He created many moves. Apparently, yeah. It's a shame he's rubbish on the main <laughs> roster. Or to revive live. Is he even on that anymore? That's what, um, you just reminded me, that's what Stephanie said that made me laugh. She oh, goes to, she, she, she said to Ronda how there's no weight division. There's no weight division. Like, like, you literally have a cruiserweight <laughs> division. That shows how insignificant they are. Yeah. 
<laughs> How much Stephanie doesn't care about them as she just forgot they existed. Wow. Well, I do every week, so... <laughs> we never talk about them. And that's it's it's pretty good now. You should watch it. I don't have time. Just yeah, I watch, really don't have time. Watch, like, the main event match from each show. It's only 20 minutes of your day. I'm sure they are great matches. Just What's the story like telling like, on 205 Live these days with um, Drake Maverick as GM? It's very much um, spirit of competition, not not gimmick based, just good matches, quality wrestling. Um, people trying to get to Cedric Alexander. Mm-hmm. Who's uh, who's looking like the main challenger at the moment? Um, last uh, Buddy Murphy beat Mustafa Ali the other week. Ah. The one that I sent you. Yes, well, I did see some of this match, and it looked bloody amazing. It was really good. Yeah. Um, I don't know when the title match is or if it's already happened. I don't think it has. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, good. It's, it's definitely a million times better than it was this time six to six to twelve months ago. Yeah, good, good, good to hear. Um, rest of SmackDown, Lana won her first ever match, singles match, first ever singles match, and um, the crowd loved it. <laughs> so therefore, that I means, did not. No. Therefore, that means that. Aiming, she's going to come out next week and slag off the home crowd whether while they're cheering her. Yeah. Because that just seems to be what, what they make him do whenever someone cheers who he's with. Yeah. It won't stop them cheering. What are you going to say, Matt? I just... I'd... If they're going to push Lana as a competitor, put her in a match that lasts at least five minutes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I quite like this. I think they were playing off the crowd heat. I think if she'd been in a longer match, it might have died down a bit because they would have seen that she's actually not very good in the mm-hmm. ring. Um, I quite I like she it. She can't dance either. Oh, I think she can. That bit at the top of the ramp was not great. <laughs> what do you mean? Lana's the best. Lana is the best. Lana number one. I, I can very much picture a moment where everyone's down and Lana's the only one left. Yeah. And she does the whole like... <gasps> Looks to one side, looks to another, like tries to climb a ladder and then gets probably shoved yeah. off by everyone or yeah. something. She won't take a big bump. No. She's not going to go flying through a ladder <laughs> onto the outside. <laughs> or is Aiden English going to win it for her? And just <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that Rusev's in the men's one. Yeah. Imagine if Rusev won that, man. And Lana. Yeah. <laughs> that would kind of be cool, having like a it couple. It would be cool. But it won't happen. <laughs> Imagine the oh, story on Total Divas. To you what? I don't want Rusev to win it. Who do you want to win then, Matt? That's the question. Or Miz you... or Kevin Owens. We don't actually know who's the uh, going to be in it yet, do we? What about Samoa Joe? Oh, even Samoa Joe. There's, there's three. Or Maybe Daniel three Bryan. Are. I'll go with Samoa Joe. I'm to anticipating... Win, to be in the match. I'm anticipating, like, cast a screw... Brian Daniel next week. Brian out of it, yeah. I don't think Daniel Bryan will be in the match. No. Because then what would you do with Samoa Joe? Um, also, why would you have had him lost, lose his first chance? This one only came about because of an injury. Although, we should point out, I well, I should point out, I'm not sure, and a lot of people aren't sure whether Big Cass's injury is legitimate or not. I don't think it is. He, he supposedly so he got beat down by Brian last They wouldn't week, have he? him on TV and he, the way they did. He supposedly... According to Meltzer, anyway, he was doing the same routine every week, every night, where he would um, need like assistance back to the ramp and was like crying and frustrated and whatever. Mm. Um, and then on like the last night, 
was when he so happened to get injured. Hmm. I don't know. Do you think they're playing this whole Daniel Bryan injures people storyline? <laughs> I don't. Who else is he injured? Jeff Hardy potentially. Oh no, that's just a match, wasn't it? He didn't attack him outside of a match to do it. No, I know, but his heel hook is is too dangerous or something because it injures people. I think it's Bryan's gone away, learnt some new things, realised that he maybe needs to change something up now that he's back, and the people have changed and the. T- pace it's changed so I don't know I reckon I reckon Jeff Hardy has has injured his knee because people filmed him limping around in his matches on the house shows and they're going to say well, Daniel Bryan or Big Cass is going to say Daniel Bryan's hurt me now he's hurt Jeff Hardy who else is he going to hurt and then Big Cass is going to say something along the lines of just because you were injured doesn't mean you have to injure all of us and that'll be Jeff Cass's. Hardy was supposedly injured going before though yes I know so was Big Cass no, but Big Cass was healed. Well, yeah, okay. Jeff Hardy had supposedly done that against like Shelton Benjamin a month yeah, ago. Yeah, disappeared on, off the planet. Not on WWE TV have they referenced it? They have. They did during that match. They did it during the Greatest Royal Rumble. Okay, but <laughs> fine, just shit all over my theory. Don't worry about it. Let's move on from your theory. What was that, was that it? Nothing else happened. What else happened on SmackDown? Um, Naomi beat someone. Um, what's that name? The box Sonia Deville. Sonia Deville. That terrible entrance. The music is terrible. I skipped it. I don't so much mind the boxing part with the with the strobe lighting. Um, I just think the music's really bad. I I I didn't. I skipped through the first half of this match. I didn't like the exchanging of kicks for no reason. Yeah. It was but... kick. Now you kick me. Yeah. Like that just wouldn't happen in real life. No. Although the double kick at the same time looked pretty cool. Yeah. But I didn't like cool. the the um, multiple kicking at the same time together thing which yeah. is very unrealistic yeah fair. you just use the other leg when you yeah or just move <laughs> yeah. just take a step back yeah that's literally all you need to do um what else was there on smackdown then the good um, brothers beat the usos they did yeah so Gavis anderson actually won a match which made me laugh because when they came back to adverts and those two were staring off i just went we well, all know who's winning this <laughs> and, usos. and then i didn't i didn't realize until the match started that it was a Number one contenders match. Uh, However, you said we'll still win this. <laughs> and then when they shoved Thingy off the top rope, I was like, "Hold on a second <laughs> And then it happened. Um, I liked Corey Graves' commentary on this, where he said um, a couple of twin brothers are facing a couple of good brothers to see who fights the bludgeon brothers. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, but the uh, Gallows and Anderson win, so they'll go face the Bludgeon Brothers to get destroyed at Money in the Bank. So that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be a nice kickoff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah kickoff match. I think that pretty much. What we didn't mention about Raw was the B team won their second match in a row. Oh, their music is amazing. On I really want to know what it is. We didn't quite. We weren't quite able to find out for you, Matt. I know you, you gave us that task last week, but um, I had a look nobody on, seems to know the answer. I had a look on Spotify, and their music isn't on there yet, but Maro Ronaldo's is, if you want to listen to that, as is Mickey James's. And somebody else from NXT, I believe. So, yeah. I think when I looked at it, there's a couple of YouTube videos of the song with the B-team like picture in the background, but it's this unknown artist. I think it's going to be called Battle Scars, the name yeah, of the song. Yeah, that's why that's I can work out. But I don't know anything else more than that, unfortunately, for you. Do you know what I did, love? 
that. How they came out drawing their <laughs> t-shirts. Even though they had them last week. Yeah. So, it still made me laugh. Yeah. I know. It was... Um, I just like when they when they celebrated with the the chair down the ramp before that was pretty funny. Very much reminded me of that Stone Cold yeah. video. Have you seen the one of them together? Someone's put it on Twitter. They've got the Stone Cold and that one together oh, going no. down the ramp. No, I've not seen that. Sounds good though. I think Stone Cold picks up considerably more speed. <laughs> yeah. um, right, so we done with Raw and SmackDown this week. Not too much in a way of action. A little bit of a quiet week. But, you know, in ring, really good matches. Yep. You're right there, eh? My spidey senses are tingling. <laughs> what is that? No, my neck is just cracked. Oh, lovely. Speaking of Stone Cold. <laughs> <laughs> that stack of dimes I've got. <laughs> uh, right. Are we, are we both ready? Are we all ready to get into the IC title? Yes. No. Okay, just for Matt's benefit, we'll talk about something else. <laughs> no, no. Matt, you are ready, aren't you? Of course. Right, so this, I think it's fair to say this is probably partly inspired this episode by um, Skillet's random question to us last week about what, show. what was our favourite IC tyre match of all time. Uh, I think we all went for different responses in the end, didn't we? Some fairly common answers though I think if you were to to ask the, the average WWE fan what their favourite IC title matches are um, but we thought we'd go back in time a little bit go through the history of the IC title because it means a lot to a lot of wrestling fans but it means a lot to us um, Matt coming to you what did and what does the IC title mean to you as a WWE fan what does it represent uh, and what do you immediately or who do you immediately think of when we say intercontinental champion so for me it was back in the day we're talking sort of what early 90s it was a title for the workers of the company it was a sort of a stepping stone so you sort of won that and then you would go on to either contend for or win the WWE title but it was definitely for the workers and the people that come to mind for me are your Bret Hart's, your Mr. Perfect's, your Shawn Michaels, your Razor Ramones. Yeah. And then sort of the late 90s, early 2000s, it lost its way and lost its way for a long time. And then I would say The Miz has done excellent work in bringing it back to being a prestigious title yeah so I would pretty much echo what you've said um, just with the little caveat that there were points throughout the sort of early 2000s where the title seemed where it sort of bounced around between Jericho Chris Benoit Boo, and Kurt Angle um, and even you know Rob Van Damme RVD, yeah. RVD uh, Jeff Hardy etc Eddie Guerrero where it sort of it sat with that just below the main event level talent, where I believe it should sit, mm. and but but before they became world champion. Around that kind of time, it was on the kind of people who um, you 
you wouldn't necessarily say would then go on to become world champions. Mm-hmm. Like in 2000 or 2001, I don't know how many people would have anticipated that Guerrero or Benoit or RVD or Jeff Hardy would ever go on to become the multiple-time world champions that they were. Mm. Um, whereas I suppose in the days where um, Mr. Perfect would hold it or Bret Hart would hold it, you would it was kind of expected that at some point these guys will be main eventers. Yeah, I think Shawn Michaels probably case in point. Bret Hart definitely was earmarked for better things. Personally, I don't because I think I'm a little, tiny little bit younger than you, Matt. I don't yeah. think of Brett as an IC champion. Um, I've always seen him as like, like the world champion, WWE champion, because that's where he was when I first started watching. So for me, it was quite interesting to go back and watch older stuff and see, you know, he was on, he was on that mid card level at one point. Because for my whole my, wrestling, my memory, early memories of wrestling must be a little confused because I must have seen something before. I saw the the Undertaker thing, but I can remember Bret Hart being in the Continental Champion, so I must have known or watched wrestling before then. Yeah, it's just like because I can remember Mr. Perfect being IC title champion as well. So unless I had videos of what when I was younger of them winning it or yeah I, I, I think I definitely had an intercontinental championship VHS um, showing me all of the old champions up to about 92 um, and I think that's really where I don't know it became it really started to gain a little bit more luster for me um, a little bit more uh, became a little bit more illustrious looking back at the history of it um, and I think that's what we'll we'll get into now so um the Intercontinental Championship was actually invented by the WWE in 1979. Pat Patterson became the first champion. Here it says on good old Wikipedia. As a result of defeating Ted DiBiase, remember him, to win the WWF North American Heavyweight Championship on June 19th in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And then defeating Johnny Rods, whoever that is, in a fictional tournament final in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Keyword there being fictional. Um, to unify the North American Heavyweight Championship with the fictional South American Heavyweight Championship to create the WWF Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. So quite a story behind it. Um, sort of, I'm not going to say ruins the illusion, uh, but it's a little bit strange uh, that this belt was created for Pat Patterson to, to win, as a win, be given, in a fictional tournament. In Brazil. Yeah, very weird. I get the whole point. It's unifying the North American Championship and the South American Championship, um, which the South American Championship didn't didn't actually exist. Um, but I don't get... Why is it called the Intercontinental Championship? Why is there an Intercontinental Championship and a World Championship? I, I don't... Yeah, I guess... It should just be called the Americas Championship if yeah. that's what they would. If that was what they with. were going after yeah. at the time, um, yeah, I don't know. I've always thought that because if you look at um, 
on the Intercontinental Championship since they've been around there's always a globe on it exactly it's every continent on the world so what's the difference between that and the world champion yeah. it's a bit of a weird one the naming but I quite like the name to be fair it, it it's really something that you sense. get across multiple multiple um, multiple promotions as well like you've got one in New Japan yeah um, seen Jericho going after it saying he's going for his 10th um, so he's, he he is not um shoehorning it to just WWE mm. he's yeah I didn't have a point there. <laughs> he's sort of tailed <laughs> off by the end there uh, <laughs> so okay after Pat Patterson then so he actually held the top for 233 days um, which I would have said up until the last couple of years is pretty much unheard of but not anymore we're getting these longer longer and longer title reigns at the minute um, which is you know welcome so that's you know just shy of a, a little bit shy of a year Two thirds of a year, Pat Batson held it for from September nineteen seventy nine to April nineteen eighty, and then over the next few years, it sort of went back and forth between Kempatera, Pedro Morales, and Don Morocco, uh, all the way up till nineteen eighty three or nineteen eighty four, I should say, where Don Morocco lost it to Tito Santana. All of these title changes at the time, obviously happening on house shows before the advent of WrestleMania as a pay per view. Um, so interesting to see that all of these, I guess at the time, WWF. No, they were yeah, they were WWF. Yeah, uh, they would have been WWF. All happening in northeast of uh, of America, so very much territorial um, times we're in here. Um, Greg the Hammer Valentine, however, won the title from Tito Santana in Ontario. So he was actually the first person to not to win the title outside of America. Mm. Still in North America, though. What I find interesting is that we've got there, um, just looking at that list, we've got two back to back title reigns that were both longer than a year in yeah. Morales and then yeah, Morocco. Morocco yeah. And then you've got, a num- you've got another, a number of reigns which are between two and 300 days, yeah. and then another at 400. Like, these are long reigns. Yeah, they're really long reigns. I mean, which is what obviously what you'd get all the time back then, yeah. but by today's standards. Having just your average title reign at two hundred and sixty-five days is from September to July is quite a long time. Yeah, but didn't Vince Senior sort of saw a champion and then wanted that champion to be champion for a long time? Because look at what he did for San Martino. Uh, San Martino. Yeah, I think um, I'm not sure of the exact time that Vince McMahon Junior actually took over. I, I, I read a, I read up on Wikipedia the other day. I think title. it was eighty four. Was it? Yeah. Oh, just before WrestleMania then. Some yeah. Before that. that. Um, but yeah, you're probably right because I mean, if you look from that point onwards, really nineteen eighty five, really the title reigns. I mean, there's a few in there which, you know, are significantly longer. We're talking Honky Tonk Man, Randy Savage and the Honky Tonk Man, for instance, four hundred and fourteen days for Savage and four hundred and fifty four for the Honky Tonk Man. I mean, that's a long, long time. Um, but then in, in between there, you've got Ricky Steamboat, 65 days. Uh, a little bit after, you've got the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Eric, obviously, 84 days. The Mountie, two days. Um, Roddy Piper, 77. So there are some shorter ones in there as well around that period. So I guess that makes sense if you, if you think of Vince Senior's approach to champions and then Vince Junior's approach being slightly different. Um well, obviously, we've mentioned we've obviously got that WrestleMania three Inter- Intercontinental title match between Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat, which 
many people consider to be the best intercontinental championship match of all time personally for me i don't think it has aged as well i still think it's a really good match i just think looking at it now you'd think okay that's a good it's an match. average match on a yeah. on a weekly show yeah and, and that's unfortunate that has it hasn't yeah, but you've got to take it for what it was back in the day. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't take anything away from the fact that at the time that match would have been groundbreaking and incredible. And I think that match is really the point at which you go, all right, this IC title means something and it means something to the, the, the real talented workers on the, in the locker room. Yeah, well, I mean, you can see from looking at that list, before those dates, you've got Pat Patterson, you've got Morales, Maracos, um, Greg Valentine. And then after that, you've got... Um, I'm looking at, uh, you've got Randy Savage, you've got Steamboat, you've got Miss Perfect, you've got Bret Hart. Like Almost immediately after, you've got the more worker-related guys Yeah. than your kind of traditional big, heavy guys. Yeah, so as you're, you're right. So sort of heavy set, all of these guys, Patterson, Patera, Morales, Morocco, uh, are all sort of heavy set. Tia Santana seemed to be that transition. And Greg Valentine, to a certain extent, was actually more heavy set as well, but... Tito Santana seems to be that transition between big guys and smaller guys as intercontinental champion, um, and from that point, yeah. Because I, mean, I mean, if you look, if you look, Tito, Savage, Steamboat, Honky Tonk Man, and then the Ultimate Warriors being the anomaly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so we got so we go Savage, Steamboat, Honky Tonk Man with his historic reign. Uh, so he's still the longest reigning IC title in. No, he's not. Yeah. Yes, it is the longest title. Yeah, yeah, title one, longest title reign. Um, before he lost that at SummerSlam in 1988 to the Ultimate Warrior, um, who then lost it to Rick Rude at WrestleMania Five. Uh, here's an interesting fact: the Ultimate Warrior's two Intercontinental title reigns both started at SummerSlam, and both lasted 216 days and finished at WrestleMania the next year. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Both, both almost on the same date minus one day. Yeah. 29th of August and 28th of August. 2nd of oh, April, 1st yeah, of April. Okay, he, he beat. Exactly. So the Warrior, after his second reign, after uh, winning it back from Rick Rude at SummerSlam 89, had to vacate the title after he defeated Hulk Hogan. It's the first vacation. First vacation, yeah, vacation. <laughs> um, to win the, uh, the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. WWF title. I'll just call it that. Uh, at the time at Wrestlemania 6 in what is you know again a classic classic match but one that also hasn't aged particularly well it's still a great moment yeah because I can remember that as a kid watching that and thinking wow this is an amazing match yeah and then you do go back and look at it and go "Mm, it's not that great there's a lot of bear hugging (laughs) there's clotheslines and bear hugs Um, but yeah really but you can't beat it for should have been our podcast name Clothesline and bear hugs. Um, you really can't beat that for fan involvement and sort of just the story that it told. It was really great. Um, but that was vacated. It was won by Mr. Perfect after he beat Tito Santana in a tournament final for the vacant title. A tournament that actually existed, <laughs> which is the first for the IC title. Um, he lost that 126 days later to Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich at SummerSlam in what I recall being at the time a massive upset um, because Texas Tornado sort of come out of nowhere as this Ultimate Warrior version 2 character without the face paint and the wackiness really um, to win the title 
he lost it back to Mr. Perfect um, on Superstars. Imagine that these days. Superstars. Um, who then promptly, well, I say promptly, held it for 280 days and lost it to Bret Hart at SummerSlam in 1991 in what... Which is considered... Yes, considered to be, by many, many people, the best Intercontinental Championship match of all time. Again, I'm torn. It was a really good match. For the time, it was brilliant, so... Definitely it was definitely passing the torch as well. Yeah, I, I believe Perfect. I've read somewhere that Mr. Perfect was keen on giving Bret Hart that rub at yeah. the time. It was important for Bret as well, I think, to, first to win singles his first title. singles title at that time. And on SummerSlam as well, so it was on one of the main... I mean, there were only a couple of pay-per-views at this time, but it was on a big pay-per-view uh, in New York against someone like Mr. Perfect, well-respected. So it was definitely a passing of the torch moment I thought and, very, and obviously a historic moment in the in the career of Bret Hart when I then, kick off a great singles career and then again a year later yeah exactly one of I the mean, most famous matches of all time you're talking SummerSlam yeah 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 so um, between the Bret Hart's well, first and second reign he lost the title to the Mountie on a house show there were some shenanigans. I think it was the cattle prod. I'm not too sure. I can't remember. A bit mounty cheated, needless to say. Um, but that Lorraine only lasted for two days. So I believe that this, what they what they were going for, and I've been, I read this fairly recently. They have, they had Bret Hart lose the title to the Mountie just so the Mountie could lose it to Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper wanted to personally hand the Intercontinental title to Bret Hart. Yeah, I was WrestleMania, this. and because Roddy Piper would not lose, he would cleanly. Lose. Yeah, if he didn't want to. Yeah, and he lost cleanly to Bret Hart. Yeah, so it was it was a it's, big sign of respect for Bret from Roddy. I think it's just a bit weird. Like when you look here, it says that Bret lost it on a house show on a on a Friday, and then the Royal Rumbles on a Sunday. So for those people who for the months and months before that, I've seen Bret Hart as the Intercontinental Champion, and then come Royal Rumble, Roddy Piper's facing the Mountie the for Mountie the title. Turns up with the title. <laughs> what? <yeah. laughs> and the then Mountie. loses it. Like, what? So weird. The Mountie is an example in the earlier days of the IC title of a character who should not have been anywhere near the, the title, the championship. But I guess as a heel, he was effective as presenting that, that jeopardy to, to the champion. Um, Roddy Piper, again, for me, he'd been in the main event scene and sort of dropped down. That's what I don't, that's what I don't enjoy about the Intercontinental title in, in recent years. Having people win it who have already got to the top and are now operating at a lesser level, not in terms of their ring work, and I mean, Seth Rollins is a prime example. He's, his ring ring work has actually probably improved since dropping since becoming IC title, but he's already been WWE champion, you know, and fighting for the Universal title for the first time. And it's just a bit. It, it makes it less significant to me when that happens. I I kind of see it in that, um, in kind of a way where it's like, wow, these this this guy who was a world champion is now Intercontinental Champion, this title must be important. It must be good. And, like, um, it, it, I suppose it's also a nod to the roster 
where it's like, wow, this guy was world champion two, three years ago. Now he's the mid-card champion. Um, that must mean the world champions are amazing. Mm. Uh, I see it slightly differently. It makes it... I, I see it very much the same as you, Ali. Yeah. It, I mean, it's not bad. It's not a terrible thing. I think it's probably... It might be a slight generational thing with me me, me and Matt agreeing and Aiden being slightly different in that, that it's become a lot more common now for wrestlers to win the WWE or Universal title on the way up, reach the top, and then have that period of a few years where they're just on that lower little level before they go back up. I mean, it's not a terrible thing. I mean, it gives main eventers who aren't in the main event I suppose it something is, to fight for. I suppose it's kind of it's born out of the fact that we have so many people who could be considered yeah, as the top guy. Yeah, I think that's what it is now. Um, people, and with people's patience these days, people will get bored if the same people are in the main event scene for two whole years straight. Yeah. Like the same way that like, The Rock and Triple H and Stone Cold were back in the day. Although you could say AJ Styles has been in that... I guess he's not. He was in the US title hunt for a while, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. While Jinder was champion. <laughs> Dog, trying to forget that that ever happened. The dark days. Um, right, back to the. Is it a coincidence that as soon as Jinder goes to Raw, Raw goes shit? <laughs> and as soon as he leaves SmackDown, they get a billion dollar deal from Fox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glad you got that Indian guy off TV. Now we'll buy you. Well, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he's moving to a Friday night. Yeah, I saw that. It won't be until the end of next year, end though. Next year, yeah. That's really going to mess with our schedule. Well, I, I think it'll improve it. It means we don't have to rush to watch everything on a Tuesday to record on a Wednesday. I suppose, yeah. I think that's. I can watch. I can actually watch it live. But say, say. Yeah, Friday night. Yeah. Like we will never get to talk about the go home SmackDown before a pay per view because the go home and then the pay per view will have happened by the time we record. That's true. Unless we do an intermediary uh, podcast. Or doing two a week, or changing to Saturday forever by the time no, all the just, other wrestling podcasts have gone a, out. Just if we've got a pay per view. Um, yeah, we've well, got a lot of time to discuss it. Yeah, we've got a little while. I was also thinking, actually, of what, what it does to WrestleMania weekend as well. If you think about oh, yeah, of um, true. the current schedule being Hall of Fame on a Friday, uh, NXT on a Saturday, WrestleMania on a Sunday, Raw, then SmackDown. If you change it to SmackDown on a Friday, where do you put the Hall of Fame? Thursday, and then people have to go even earlier. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is. Well, you can go earlier, but you can leave one day earlier as well. If that's that true. On a Tuesday. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Big news. I don't know if it's confirmed that it will be a Friday. I think it's just. No, rumored. I think it's conjecture. I think it's rumor. 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 To be fair, I used to like watching Raw on a Friday night. I used to love it when I was a kid watching it on a Friday night. After football training, I'd get in. I always had it was on. I always had Raw on a Thursday at ten, yeah. um, and then SmackDown on a Friday. Oh, that's so weird! I used to get Raw on a Friday night and then watch SmackDown, Smackdown on Saturday mornings. Yeah, because it would be when it was taped when SmackDown was taped on a Tuesday, but it was called Friday Night SmackDown. My uncle <laughs> was always like, "Is why the Friday Night SmackDown?" Like, you know, it's Tuesday. It must be weird. <laughs> it's all a bit weird. Let's face it. The concept of taped shows now is weird to me. Yeah. Yeah, really weird. Like, he can't have that in this day and age, surely. No. Because people will just know. Correct. Uh, anyway, back to the IC title. So, 
Bret Hart lost it, as you say, Aiden, in one of the best uh, icy tire matches of all time to the British Bulldog at SummerSlam. Interesting story. You probably both know this one. That, um, David Boy Smith. He had British no Bulldog, idea what he was doing. Literally had no idea what he was doing because he'd been up smoking crack. Was that the reason? I did not know that. I didn't know that was the reason. <laughs> Bret Hart in his autobiography claims that British Bulldog had been smoking crack before SummerSlam and had completely forgotten what to do in the match. I've heard Davy Boy saying that he, he just blanked and forgotten, but it sounds very Bret Hart to be like, this guy didn't know what he was doing, therefore he must have been off his face. Well, that's to be fair, he wouldn't be the first person to claim British Bulldog had been smoking crack. Mm. Um <laughs> But yeah, this match, regardless, somehow, was awesome. <laughs> you know, it probably speaks more to Bret Hart than it does to the British Bulldog. Yeah, that was supposedly the performance which kind of made the the higher-ups kind of take notice of Bret. Yeah. But it was, um, it was a great moment, obviously, for the British Bulldog being in London. Um, and hopefully one that we'll get at some point. Again. Not obviously for the British Bulldog, that's impossible. But a big pay-per-view in London or England, not being capitalist here, I think just London at the time had Wembley Stadium. Now we've got loads where it could be. So, I think... Anywhere, Vince, anywhere. We don't care. Arena MK. Have it there. I don't care. Stadium MK. No, the arena. (laughs) (laughs) The Rico Arena. Oh, the Rico. Well, nobody else uses it. (laughs) Well, Um, it's true. Anyway, that's uh, back to the wrestling, the real sport. Um, the British Bulldog lost it to Shawn Michaels. This was obviously another historic moment in the in the history of Shawn Michaels' career. Uh, his first title. He lost that. British Bulldog lost it on Saturday night's main event in Terre Haute in Indianapolis. I guess that. Yeah, is. No, I've never heard uh, of that. Never ever heard of that. October twenty seventh, nineteen ninety two marks the start of Shawn Michaels' single career push. Um, 202 days later, he lost it to Mike. single career push. I think he had more than one. Okay, no, that came out wrong. Uh, The start of his singles career, let's put it that way. Um, This is obviously after he'd thrown Marty Gennetti through the barbershop window. So he won this on Saturday night's main event. Yes. Which I didn't realise until a couple weeks ago was once, like, like the, the most watched wrestling show in history yes there was I got like was over like, 10 million viewers or something when it was like Hogan and Andre or oh, something. yeah it was Hogan versus Andre on Saturday night over 10 event. million people watching it one used, wrestling show it was it insane it's a big deal oh I know not it's at just, this point like when, when you what do you think 10 million people yeah I know that's ludicrous <laughs> when like 2 or 3 2 to 3 million watched it these days yeah on TV anyway well I mean I'd be interested to see what the buy rate for Wrestlemania was this year I say buy rate don't really use buy rates anymore do yeah, it, it must work. be really hard to judge those things yeah um, I'd wager it might be more I'm not sure maybe not um, more than 10 million yeah I don't know well the buy rates for us I mean you were never that high well yeah because, yeah they were never more than like a million at most really that's quite low wow that is low um, most bought mania ever was 28 yeah but then the advent of the network yeah. came and now yeah, that, that never, the answer. Yeah, they never really got that, that high for buys because yeah. expensive, isn't it? Well, very expensive. Um, Marty Jannetty won the Intercontinental title from Shawn Michaels on an episode of Monday Night Raw in New York, obviously. That's where New York Raw was at the time. Um, but lost it 20 days later back to Shawn Michaels on a house show in New York as well. 
So that was a little, little known, little appreciated title reign from Mike Jannetty. Um, very uneventful. Shawn Michaels then, um, he vacated the title, didn't he? No, he it was stripped. He was stripped. We say stripped. He was. It was declared that he was no longer the Intercontinental Champion by either Gorilla Monsoon or Jack Tunney. I'm not sure which one it was at this point. Um, so Razor Ramon, Rick, Rick Martel, the model, um, competed in a battle royal, amongst others. They were the final two. Ramon defeated Martel for the vacant title. Um, Shawn Michaels then came back. I don't know if he was injured at this point or if this was the storyline, if he had other problems, because we know at this you know, early days, Sean wasn't the easiest to work with. Um, Dabbled in yeah. other things. He returned in November 1993, claiming to be the legitimate champion as nobody had defeated him. Ramon went on to defeat Michaels in a ladder match on March the 20th, 1994. What date, what WrestleMania was that, Matt? WrestleMania 10. Yes, it was. One of the classics. Um... It says here that Shawn Michaels was stripped of the title for failing to defend it within 30 days. In reality, Michaels was suspended for testing positive for steroids. So that's yeah, why, that's that's why, why Razor won. won. That's why Razor won. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't just a... Okay, it was a cover-up, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, which is very Shawn Michaels. Um, so Razor, as we say, went on to defeat Michaels at WrestleMania 10 in an iconic ladder match, one of the greatest matches of all time. Matt, is this... What comes to your mind when you think of Intercontinental title? Yeah, without doubt. This is one of the best matches. And I think it was the first time we'd seen a ladder match. And it was just... Oh, it was just amazing. Just as a kid, oh, that whole WrestleMania was just... Probably because that was the first one I probably watched. But that was like the best WrestleMania. I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Do you think you would have been a proper wrestling fan had the first WrestleMania you watched been the year before? <laughs> Probably not. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. Um, but yeah, this match brings to my mind immediately, and I think it does to most people when you talk Intercontinental title and ladder matches. It's just an iconic um, match. Um, Aiden, what are your thoughts on the WrestleMania 10 ladder match for the IC title? Obviously, you weren't actually alive which is a big difference between you and I. <laughs> um, but you've obviously gone back and watched it, I'd assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make of it? It's the blueprint for all ladder match, singles ladder matches, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, too many ladder matches these days get caught up in spots. This was one two ladders maximum using the ladder as a weapon when needed but always keeping in mind the main goal of getting the belt yeah um and yeah i think it's just an example of um i i i can't imagine because it was the first mainstream ladder match that we saw on wwe tv i can't imagine if it had been shit whether we'd still have them well the reason that they both say it went as well as it did was because they were doing it for house shows for like four months yeah they said yeah, they were doing it like every day which is interesting to to think like because nowadays you, 
you'd, you'd hear, wouldn't you? Oh, these two guys had this really cool new match that we'd never seen before on a house show. Uh, and it'd be all over the internet. Mm. And everybody would be like, okay, this is amazing. We've seen it all though. But to keep, to like to do this so often and then have it as, you know, one of your big matches on a WrestleMania, just, you just couldn't do that now. In, in in that way, has the internet somewhat ruined wrestling a little bit? I think it it's it's had its pros and its cons. Kayfabe is virtually dead, uh, other than for a select, very talented few who can put it off. Kevin Owens mainly, and Tommaso Champa. Tommaso Champa being another. Um, and I'd argue John Cena because he's never bad on Twitter. <laughs> Who never has anything other than just inspirational, inspirational quotes? things to say. Um, so yeah, I think it has helped and it has also hindered. But you know, that's like most things in life, really, isn't it? Um, moving on for Razor's title reign, he lost it to Diesel, Kevin Nash, on Superstars <laughs> <laughs> in April 1994. Um, so that reign. Razor's reign, sorry. This 198 is days. 198 days, yeah. Because um, Let's just take a look at this, actually. Because Razor won it. It says here September 27th, 1993. But he, okay, I guess, yeah, they're not having him winning it at WrestleMania 10, are they? Because he... Uh, um, because... He was already technically champion, so it's not yeah. it's not listed on here. He lost it to Diesel in April nineteen ninety four, and then won it back again in August. And then Jeff Jarrett came along on the scene and defeated Razor in what? And this is one of my vivid memories. This being a big upset, he defeated Razor in ninety five at the Royal Rumble for the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, I can remember that being a really big. And I was distraught at this. To <laughs> thought, why the hell? Has this big bad guy been defeated by this country singing curly platinum blonde hair wuss? Arsehole. Yeah, that's what I was thinking at the time. Uh, little did I know, you know, 22 years later, be in the years later it'd be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Get Jeff Jarrett. Anyway, that title was vacated after there was a controversy between a match uh, in a match between Jeff Jarrett and Bob Holly, spark plug, uh, back in the day, remember him? Um, then he defeated Jeff Jarrett, defeated him to claim it back. And this is all on Action Zone. I don't even remember Action Zone. Um, Razor and Jeff Jarrett then traded titles before Shawn Michaels won it from Jeff Jarrett at In Your House 2. Um, the Lumberjacks. In 1995. Yeah, the Lumberjacks. Um, then we get to what I believe although we're not quite sure now is the shortest intercontinental title reign of all time Dean Douglas won the title by forfeit due to Shawn Michaels being attacked outside a nightclub in Syracuse in New York I've always thought it was inside a nightclub but perhaps not I don't think that makes much of a difference (laughs) Rumour has it that Shawn Michaels was being a little bit too friendly with somebody's girlfriend a and Marine. a group of Marines beat him up. Beat the living shit out of him, apparently. Yes, so much so that he had to forfeit the title. Um, at Great White North. Goldust makes an appearance there. 
So yeah, Dean Douglas loses the title to Razor on the same night. This is where we get to the real golden era. We go we get from Gold Dust to Ahmed Johnson to Mark Marrow, Hunter Hearst Helmsley to Rocky Maivia, like this is where the title sort of flits around a little bit. None, none of these up to Hunter Hearst Helmsley over a hundred days. We don't have a over a hundred day title reign since Razor won it in ninety four. Yes. All the way until ninety six. Yeah, exactly. Um it's yeah, just a bit of a dark era for the IC title, isn't it? I think. Gold Dust kinda of like the Gold Dust Razor Ramon feud was actually pretty good. Um again, Razor lost at the Royal Rumble, lost his title to someone who we didn't think he would. Again, another a bit of another upset, but it was shocking at the time. Uh, but these title reigns don't last long. You've got 71, 83, 50 days from Ahmed Johnson, who won the title at King of the Ring. Um, Mark Merrow, 28 days. Wild man. And then Hunter Hearst Helmsley winning his first title. I wonder whatever happened to that guy. Uh, in he lost it, to some, lost it to some jobber. Yeah, he lost it to a he jobber got, called Rocky Myers. He got a ball thrown at him at one night only. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Uh, he lost it to some sort of jobber that I don't think we'll ever hear of again called Rocky Myers Via, um, who then lost it to Owen Hart. I like that kid, Rocky Myers. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, then he turned into a bit of a prick. He was a real blue chipper. <laughs> <laughs> That's blue chip right there. Um, again, that was an upset. Oh, no. I, could, I remember little, that. Little side note: I can remember watching Rocky Maivia's debut That's with Survivor you. Series, yeah, I can remember it too. I have no idea why we were watching it together. No, I don't either. But I can remember watching it together. I was alive for that one. Just about. I was one in a bit. <laughs> Do you think we were both like, "Oh man, this guy's a real blue chipper." <laughs> we probably thought oh look at this kid look at he this looks guy amazing. terrible hair this guy's <laughs> going to become the most powerful and famous man in the world and potentially run for president <laughs> and be hated by Matt Bundy <laughs> yeah <I> didn't <laughs> sitting there one day time. just oh. going one day I'm going to hate you <laughs> <laughs> one lot. day I will hate you <laughs> um, moving on Owen Hart won the title in 97 from Rocky Maivia on Raw but then uh Lost it to Stone Cold Steve Austin at SummerSlam in '97 in a very yeah. memorable moment. Um, this, of course, the moment that Steve Austin, well, the last moment of Steve Austin's career where he had a healthy neck. Yeah, Owen Hart broke his neck. Well, yeah. I mean, it was an accident. Let's put it that way. Accidents happen. Stone Cold was temporarily paralysed because of this, though. So it just did a show. You. I, again, I watched this back. And you can see his when he goes for that roll up, his hands he can't use his hands. Yeah, he's like walking on his wrists or yeah. like crawling on his wrist. I I don't know how. I, I, just thinking of putting myself in a scenario where I was temporarily paralysed and thinking like, what the fuck would I do? Yeah, and like just having the kind of wherewithal to go right. I can just about move. Let's finish the match. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine that. I mean, as terrible as the finish looked, I mean, you have to give you have to give credit to Stone Cold Steve Austin for that just incredible toughness, but also potentially a really stupid move. Yeah, and um, because also like it's 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 a no win situation really because if Owen Hart was to go, um, oh no, I have to kick out of this. It's going to make me look stupid. Then what does he do? Yeah, because he can't 
potentially you can't pick him up and beat him up or whatever because Stone Cold will literally die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, these days the match would just be stopped. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that, that we've progressed to that level. Um, Have you read apparently that Owen Hart never said sorry? Yeah, yeah, that's I've one heard of the, that. I think Steve Austin's biggest gripes is that Owen. Let's face it, Owen was pretty much responsible almost entirely for this in- injury. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's solely up to him to position yeah. him in the correct... The Stone Cold can't position himself when he's upside down like Yeah, that. you can't... Um, he can't change the length of his neck. Exactly. Uh, he can't shift himself up Owen's body yeah. because he's being held there by Owen's leg. So it's, you know, just... I think what I like, read it was, it, was that Owen felt so ashamed. He, yeah, he didn't he even want to bring it didn't up. didn't want to talk about it, even with the person who obviously suffered this terrible injury. But luckily, fortunately, Stone Cold uh, Steve Austin did return from his injury. Um, I think I think he pretty had a pretty average career after that. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I, I think he does. Much. I think he does podcasts now, yeah, but sure. I don't remember much else. No, very bitter man. Who does podcasts? God, who does podcasts? Podcast wankers. Um, anyway, Stone Cold Steve Austin eventually won a title back from Owen Hart. Really great storyline. I thought that whole I, I just broke, broke your neck, neck. I was just gimmick that. that Owen had and. Good, good rivalry. That um, Stone Cold won as well back at Survivor Series. Just a quick note on I was watching. Um, a, I was meant to send it to you, like a five, six minute clip on Instagram the other day of Jason Sensation. Oh yeah, I um, love that segment. But it's 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 from after that that um, Jason Sensation's on commentary with um, Jerry Lawler and King and Michael Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Cole, um, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Jerry Lawler and King, I just said. Jerry Lawler and King. JR and King. And Jerry Lawler's making him do these impressions. And he could do impressions of everybody. He's really good. He's really great. He did did Owen... I'm really fortunate that his surname was Sensation. (laughs) He did Owen Hart. He did Shawn Michaels. He did Stone Cold. He did Bret Hart. And all of them were spot on. <laughs> they were really good. Maybe he's the one who rings into uh, Edge and Christmas podcast and does the Stone Cold impression. No, it's not. <laughs> he's, uh, some, someone asked him what he was up to these days. He said he's still doing impressions around um, Toronto. He just does like a comedy show. <laughs> oh, I love that segment. Um... I am not a nugget. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Speaking of Owen Hart... Um... I believe it's the anniversary of twenty his death. no nineteen years today. Nineteen years ago yeah. today, uh, obviously a tragic, tragic moment in wrestling history. Uh, well, I remember vividly as well. I wouldn't actually didn't watch it live. Didn't watch the pay per view live. I remember waking up, um, and this is again before the days of having wide access to the internet. Yeah, nowadays the first first thing you would have done would have been gone on Twitter and seen that Owen Hart's dead. Owen Hart would have been t- trending, and that would have made no sense because he was in a feud with Godfather or something yeah, at the time. Um, so yeah, it was obviously a very tragic, tragic moment. I woke up, watched it, and then just I, I just felt really hollow. Like it didn't like the rest of the pay per view. I can't imagine what it was like for the people wrestling and also the people in the arena. Especially it just felt really just it? like. Pointless. Jarrett and I can't remember who who else were they were on like immediately they were on after. Straight after and Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart had just been a tag team, hadn't they? So yeah. Quite a successful tag and team. Even, they even had, and they were good friends. Even had Jarrett and Deborah do a promo before yeah. they went out. Before they went they out. They were both like crying. Really, yeah. Um yeah, I can't imagine what, what this did for the talent involved. Um but we could do a whole podcast about Owen Hart and we'll probably leave Maybe that for another time. Um, just you know, 19 years since Owen passed, and, uh, it's a whole generation of people. 
Yeah, mm. it's a whole generation of people, wrestling fans, who don't know anything really about Owen Hart. And even you um, were, you know, you were four, I think, when Owen Hart died, maybe, maybe even three? It would have been before my fourth birthday. Yeah, you were three. So you're obviously... And he was Blue Blazer at this point as well. He wasn't even Owen Hart. So um, there's a lot of wrestling fans out there who just didn't get to, to watch Owen Hart, who... I would say was one of the best heel characters of the nineties for WWE. Yeah, he if people want to go back and watch him as a heel. WrestleMania ten versus Bret Hart. Yeah, or SummerSlam ninety four. Same year. Yeah, with uh, in the steel cage with Bret Hart as well. I think he does that. Superplex off the cage. Yeah, or against the British Bulldog for the European title for the first time in um, Berlin. I think it was. Might be Munich. Definitely Germany. Um, that one's worth checking. That was a raw, a raw event. Owen um, Hart was also um, in the ring against future Intercontinental Champion Edge when future Intercontinental Champion Christian made his debut. <laughs> <laughs> good facts. Good facts. Um, so Owen, Owen Hart won the title back. Steve Austin won it back off him. He then lost it to The Rock. Well, he didn't lose it to The Rock. He no, gave, he vacated it. It, he to gave it to The Rock. Which is a bit controversial. Uh, the Rock held that for 265 days, so he made the most of it. Um, and then, I, I enjoyed that reign. I, I enjoyed that reign. whole feud. The, Rock, the Rock's reign with it, um, mainly with uh, feuding with Ken Shamrock um, and, and with Farouk, was uh, good fun. The Rock Kent as, as he, as he transitioned to the leader of the nation, yeah. it was while he was the champion, it made it way more legit. Yeah, The Rock versus Ken Shamrock is another feud that I, it's, it's a bit random, I guess, but it's one of the, one just of the main feuds I think of with the IC title. Yeah, I always wanted to see Ken Shamrock win that belt. I think he did. Did he? Yeah, he's just right there, right where you're not yeah. 49. He oh, yeah. yeah, he did. He defeated X Pack in the tournament final for the vacant title. I feel like he had it more than once, or oh, no, no, actually, I'm just, no, I don't think he did. I always remember being desperate for him to beat The Rock. And that just shows you how good The Rock was at being a heel. Yeah, how much of a mark you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, we were, we were definitely back in the day. <laughs> um, he lost it to Triple H at SummerSlam in a ladder match. So, continuing the history of great ladder matches for the IC title at Madison Square Garden, Triple H and The Rock put on a hell of a show, which was to foreshadow what would go on to be the best rivalry of the 2000s I think early 2000s anyway whenever you hear JR describe two people as two two young studs yeah. you know these guys are kind of destined for main event yeah I imagine if um, JR was commenting on a commentating on an Elias match he would be calling him a young yeah. stud <laughs> yeah <laughs> which he is because he's fucking huge <laughs> that's true um, Elias with the Intercontinental Championship that's what I want to see at some point or just feuding for it Definitely, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh yeah, Ken Shamrock did win it. What you saying? <laughs> yeah, so Ken Shamrock won it after defeating X-Pac. So Triple H vacated it because of a knee injury, I believe. Um, X-Pac, I think at the time, obviously they were this whole DX faction, X-Pac was trying to win it for Triple H. Uh, he got to the final of the tournament for the title, but lost it. Lost to Ken Shamrock. Um, skip through some of these. I mean, look at these names. Val Venus. Edge gets Whoa. his first one in for Val- two days. Val Venus, Val Venus, the Godfather, Road Dog, Gold Dust, the Godfather, Jeff Jarrett, again. China. Uh, there you go. Edge won his first title. Jeff Jarrett, Dilo Brown, Jeff Jarrett, and then China. 
in a good housekeeping match, defeated Jeff Jarrett at No Mercy in Who, Cleveland, Ohio. At this point, Jeff Who? Jarrett was the sixth six reign. So that so was, was the most. He was uh, by far the most reigns, I believe, at this point. Let's just check that. I don't think anyone else had held it as many times. No. No. No one near. No one near. Yeah. Um, Jeff Jarrett. Sure Marcus would be the one, wouldn't he? Not sure. Not too sure. Um, Razor had three. Razor had four at this point. Yeah. Oh, four. Um, Goldust had three. So that's that's weird. Um, Jeff Jarrett lost it to China, so China became the first and currently only woman to be the Intercontinental Champion in WWE history, and yet she's still not in the Hall of Fame because she did porn. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Joni Laura. Rest anyway. in porn. <laughs> I can't remember. Did anyone else seen a tweet? Was was it you who told me that some of what what RIP stood for? Recover in peace. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Recover in peace. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson. So, yeah. <laughs> someone put uh, Sir Alex Ferguson RIP. Can't it, believe this like, has happened. RIP. And then like he's not dead. And he's like, oh, I just thought it meant recover in peace. Recover. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that made the Undertaker's uh, gimmick a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just recover in peace. Um, would have been a shit GP. <laughs> Jericho, he won the title from Chris, uh, from China. Sorry, pretty historic Jericho, moment considering. Jericho beat a woman for a title, and then they shared it. And then they yeah, and then they shared it because it ended in a double pinfall. So, you know. I mean, I don't know why they couldn't have just gone, no, obviously not, restart the match. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't China, um, I can't remember who it was against, but she um, pedigreed someone off the top rope. Really? I'm sure it was Jericho. I'm not sure about that. Maybe, maybe, maybe she did. Um, but... Yeah, Jericho became champion at Royal Rumble 2000 when he defeated China and Hardcore Holly in a triple threat match. This is where we get into the really kind of um, good wrestling matches phase. Like when you just look at the names, you've got Jericho Angle, Benoit, Jericho Benoit, um, Guerrero, <laughs> Guerrero, Benoit, Triple H, Jeff Hardy. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of skipping over this one. Billy Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this 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 whole two thousand period, the, the year two thousand actually, January to May. So it's only five months where it changes from Jericho to Angle, back, yeah. then to Benoit. Again, you look Jericho, at the reigns, then to Benoit. But they were all great matches. Yeah, like you look at the the, the length ugh, length of the reigns: 35, 35, 36, 43, 14, 54, 8, Like yeah, <laughs> all all by August. Uh, and then by the end of the year. Um, Chris Benoit was Intercontinental Champion again. Uh, he lost it. To, yeah, who? He lost it to Jericho at Royal Rumble 2001 in a ladder match. Another iconic Intercontinental ladder match. Just yeah, we watched this back not too long ago, didn't we, Aiden? With our uh, Royal Rumble 2001 pay per view watch along. It's in the archives. Back and listen in the archives. Not quite sure what episode it was, um, but you can find it. But it, yeah, it, this one just just really great match. Terrible, terrible decision to hit Chris Benoit with that chair shot, but you know, we live and learn. I think in the grand scheme of things, it didn't make a difference. <laughs> well, maybe not. Um, but yeah, it was just a real so what match, Just a little off note. Do you want a match I watched the other day? Um, JBL versus Eddie Guerrero. 
what was the, the, world, oh, the world's hardest chair geez. shot yeah but you can see where Eddie Guerrero cuts himself mm, too much too much blood but he obviously cuts himself way too deep yeah yeah or he, he just cut the wrong bit yeah cut the wrong bit I think but you can see it's the just... referee gives him the blade to do it yeah and it's I don't know if it's now because when watching back I notice things more yeah, but it's it's so obvious. You're like, oh my god, you just did that. Well, I suppose but that back at, in the day, I wouldn't have. At the time, you're not watching for that. Whereas now you've yeah, seen it, you go, I know he's going to bleed in a minute. So that does make a difference, I guess. Um, 2001, then. So this this was a year of many many title changes. Jericho, Triple H, Jeff Hardy, Triple H, Kane, Albert, Lance Storm, Edge, Christian, Edge, Test, and Edge again. All in the space of the year. So, one standout to me, again, it was another ladder match. You've got Edge versus Christian at No Mercy, 2001. Yeah. This was a very good match. This was little, little known, not little known, I guess, because it was... It's a, just a, not too much fanfare. It's not really mentioned, but I really enjoyed this match. And there's a few, there's quite a few memorable spots in there. This is this is a match that they talk about quite often on their podcast. Um, a couple of spots in particular, one where... Um, Christian suggested that while they're both standing on a ladder, um, Edge kicks his foot out from him and then yeah. crotches himself on the ladder. Yeah. And he's like, I literally crushed my ball and was in <laughs> so much pain. Like, he, he was like borderline crying. And then the final spot where Edge does the concerto on the top of the ladder yeah. completely knocks Christian out. <laughs> he didn't know because Christian just flops off the ladder. Yeah. And while he's lying on the floor, his arms like twitching. Yeah. Um, and then she said he was looking down like, man, that's a really good selling <laughs> job. But he actually completely just knocked Christian out. Like, Christian was gone for about 10 seconds, he said. Oh, dear. Until he hit the imagine floor. if you were like, oh, well done for selling. He's like, what? what? <laughs> I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> when did this match finish? Because watching it, yeah, like, he, he doesn't hold back with that chair shot. Yeah. You wouldn't, would you? <laughs> yeah, but I suppose they can, they worked before and they were just so like that's what they always say with your friends you have that kind of yeah. forgiveness level that you can hit them a bit harder and know that you're a lot yeah. more stuff um, one thing I was just just on that note that nobody likes Christian although I love Christian uh, Lance Storm put out a tweet about the table for free episode that they're doing mm-hmm. which has got four people <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, yeah the Hardy Christian and the Hardy he's like uh I know I'm being a sports sport, but table for free with four people? Come on. So he said, uh, a fan commented saying that someone they should make someone, one of them, sit on a separate kid's table and then someone commented like, that has to be Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christian always has this thing on of just hating the last thought. Anyway, 2002 for the Intercontinental title. Again, lots of title changes. William Regal won it from Edge in January. Rob Van Dam won his first title. Eddie Guerrero won his second. Van Dam again. Benoit with his fourth reign. RVD again. Jericho with his fifth. He lost it to Kane, um, who then lost it to Triple H. In this is where we had the match where the IC title just dropped off the radar for a little while. We had the good old Katie Vick storyline. God, don't remind me. Um, so yeah, the sad, sad part of this was that the unified it was the IC title was unified with Triple H's World Heavyweight Championship. And the Intercontinental Championship was deactivated. And I didn't realise I didn't realise how long it was deactivated for. I complete when watching WrestleMania nineteen back, I completely I just forgot 
Yeah, um, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't there at the time. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until May where it got May, brought back. Yeah, May two thousand three, and um, Christian won it in a battle royal. Didn't know that bit. He won it. I don't remember that part. Controversially as well. Did he? What did he do? Um, he got eliminated by Booker T um, while the ref was knocked out or not looking. Uh, while the ref was knocked out on the outside. Mm. Um, and then Booker T was getting beat down or something. Christian picked him up and threw him out and the referee saw that one and gave it to Christian. Very Stone Cold-esque. Um, Christian eventually, though, did lose it to Booker T 50 days later. Uh, coincidentally, the same month that the United States Championship was reactivated for SmackDown as the Intercontinental title's counterpart. So, you know, the two distinct type mid-card titles now which made you think because the the European one got disbanded um, back in like 2001 with the invasion storyline so for a good over six months there was no mid-card titles which is weird I know they suddenly had an extra world title that wasn't on a mid-card guy yeah to to go from having one world title and two mid-card titles (laughs) to having yeah like what do you do with those previous mid guys? Stick them in uh, six man tag team matches. <laughs> Here comes this bit that I was talking about earlier. The, the Chris shit Jericho's bit. shortest run. Shortest yes. race. So, yeah, so this, I'm not quite sure. I would have to go time it, but I, I think this might be the second shortest reign, but I'm not sure. Well, this was only very, this was only a couple minutes. Not I don't know how the Dean Douglas one worked. Oh, but he lost quite convincingly and quite easily to Razor Ramon, so. That was 11 minutes. But how long after winning it? So Jericho has the shortest IC title reign of all time. And the most. <laughs> and the most, yeah. Maybe that's why. If you just keep losing it's it, it's what yeah, shouldn't count. It's that, that uh, few, that shorter time. Um, but if this one counts, then should his <clears throat> world title win on Raw count? <laughs> no, because that one... That it, one it was agreed reversed. that it would be yeah. wiped. But anyway, so we go from Christian to Booker T, back to Christian, Rob Van Dam, Chris Jericho, he's sixth, back to Rob Van Dam, and then the first for Randy Orton. Randy Orton makes an appearance. As a, another historic title change. It always seems, you know, it seems like a common theme is when the, a superstar who's going to be, you know, who's earmarked for greatness, like Randy Orton certainly was at this point, when they win first their real first title. title, it lasts for a long time. 210 oh, days. Which we can see Shelton Benjamin in a minute. Well, yeah. Um... <laughs> Orton lost it to Edge at Vengeance, who lost it to Jericho at Unforgiven. It's his seventh oh, no, frame by then. Sorry. Jericho wins his seventh by beating Christian in a ladder match. Another ladder match for the IC titles. So many of them. But he then loses it um, to Shelton Benjamin on a Taboo Tuesday. It does matter. I did always wonder with these Taboo Tuesdays, and maybe one of you knows the answer. Um, were they real votes? Yeah, well, Benjamin said um, on the ride along with Jack Gable the other week, they were talking about this specific moment and he said he he had no idea and if you watch it the result gets announced and he doesn't react no one reacts um, and he, yeah, was, he, he was like I, well he was like I, well I didn't expect it to be me so I wasn't paying that much attention <laughs> yeah. and then when it happened they were like Shelton and it was like oh yeah me yeah um, <laughs> and they had to just go out and come up with something on the fly wow that's pretty impressive story so, yeah, it seems pretty legit <clears throat> um, moving on Carlito Ric Flair won the IC title from Carlito oldest person to ever win it yep Carlito won it on his first 56. night on Raw after 
winning the univer- uh, Universal uh, United States on his first night on SmackDown. Yeah, good facts, good facts. Shelton Benjamin wins it again. Rob Van Dam again. Then Shelton Benjamin again. Um, Johnny Nitro, remember him? Mm. Um, he beat Shelton Benjamin at Vengeance and Carlito. But he then loses it to Jeff Hardy for his second reign. Shortly after he came back. He then loses it to Johnny Nitro. <laughs> he then loses it to Hardy. They had a really good ladder match then too for the title. Did they? Mm, on Raw. Jeff Hardy actually won the IC title from Johnny Nitro in Manchester. Yeah. In 2006. Umaga defeated Jeff Hardy for the title. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Recovery Recovering in peace. Um, Santino Morella then won it. The night after Mania. On his first night. Oh, it wasn't the night after Mania, actually. It was in Italy. Of course it wouldn't be. Yeah, Milan. A no hold barb match against Umaga. Umaga? Umaga. Umanga, as uh, William Reaver always yeah. said. And Santino Morella wins the Intercontinental Championship. Just sad times. 77 days later, Umaga, then Jeff Hardy. They had a pretty good feud. Kofi Kingston wins his first title ever. Or was this his first title ever, or was it his... Yeah, it will be. Yeah, I think it was. It was only very shortly after he debuted. Yeah. Uh, Only to lose it in an intergender tag team match. So this is really the terrible, terrible era, isn't it? This whole 2006-07... Period. Just, I mean, you I mean you've got great people like Rob Van Dam, Michelle Benjamin, holding it, and Jeff Hardy, but Umaga, Santino, Umaga, Jeff Hardy, Jericho, Kofi, Santino, Short Reigns, William Regal in Manchester wins it. Then CM Punk wins his first title uh, in a no disqualification match, or well, his first IC title anyway. Um, John Bradshaw Layfield wins the Intercontinental title. I don't associate JBL with. Uh, the IC title. No, he, he won it, only had it for a little bit, lost at Mania to Rey Mysterio days, and retired. Yeah. yeah, I think that win was set up just for that match as well. Potentially, um, which he lost in 25 seconds. Yes. You know, wow. Um, On the 24th anniversary of WrestleMania. Yes, not the 25th. Uh, Jericho wins his record-breaking ninth... Well, it, might not, it wasn't even record-breaking. He'd already broken a record by this point, but it still holds the record now. Which, I, I watched the ending to this match yesterday. Mm. Um, it was really good. It was really it was really creative. Um, Jericho's in the 619 position, and in the weeks leading up to it, Jericho said, I'm going to take your title and take your mask. Yeah. Um, so when he's in the 619 position, Rey Mysterio swings round, and as he swings round, Jericho yanks his mask off. Yeah. Then, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, and then... Mysterio was all like running out with his mask off and Jericho beats him yeah. good finish good finish um, it was so smooth I watched it so many times to figure out how he did it Jericho again so Jericho beats Rey Mysterio Rey Mysterio beats Jericho in a mask versus title match John Morrison not Johnny Nitro anymore um, wins the title from Rey Drew McIntyre wins his first title the chosen one Um from John Morrison, only to lose it to Kofi Kingston. Dolph Ziggler wins his first IC title. 160 days worth. That's quite a lot. Again, another earmark for greatness. Fairly long title reign during <laughs> this period of time. Greatness. But, yeah, semi-greatness. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're not his biggest fan, Matt. Um, but again, we're just in this sort of hallowed oh, period. Here we go. Let's get through some of these and go straight to The Miz on July 23, 23rd, 2012. That's his first one. That is his Raw 1000. Raw 1000 to be Christian. Um, you know, to kick off what has really become a career that's synonymous with the IC title. 
then the usual names pop up from this period. Kofi Kingston, Wade Barrett, who's won the title a surprising amount of times. Um, then the Miz again, Wade Barrett again. Curtis Axel. Whoa, 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 whoa. We will not skip over this. Because I was there for this. Where... WrestleMania 29. Where the Miz won it. And then... The As a baby face. Lost it. Lost it to Wade Barrett. So you saw two Intercontinental title changes in your time in New York. Yeah. And I tweeted Wade Barrett and he tweeted me back. I remember that. I remember you showing me that. I do remember that as well, actually. Yeah. God, using Twitter five years ago. Who knew? Curtis Axel was once a legitimate threat to anybody and he won the IC title on June 16th, 2013. Was that not when he was with Paul Heyman? Yes. Paul Heyman, yeah. Yeah. Um, he beat well, Wade Barrett in a triple threat match Big E Langston just Big E as we now know him affectionately uh, he won the title for the first time in November 2013 lost it to Bad News Barrett no longer Wade Barrett my favourite Barrett gimmick to be fair um, not King Barrett no not King Barrett <laughs> The Miz wins his third title so it's quite impressive to see how many times The Miz has won the title in a fairly short period of time Jericho's has spanned a long time. Yeah, well, I mean, he he got seven by 2002. Yeah. And he won the first one in 2000. Yeah. So, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> it flip-flopped a lot, I guess, didn't it? Uh, Dolph Ziggler wins his second, the Miz wins it back for his fourth. This whole Miz-Dolph Ziggler feud, which reignited itself a couple of years later in probably inarguably better matches, um, you know, really stopped, kicked off back here. Um, Dolph Ziggler and the Miz just have that those, they're a little bit like a lower level Rock Triple H. <laughs> yeah. They're courageous. They sort of always end up coming back to each other. I can't see how they would these days, though. But Ziggler winning it for the fourth time in the ladder match against Luke Harper. Match this was brutal. Just, just when when for a minute I was convinced that Luke Harper had broken his arm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bad news. Barrett wins it for the fifth time. So, again, that's a lot of title reigns for Wade Barrett uh, in, in a very short period of time as well. Um, Daniel Bryan who never heard of him WrestleMania 31 he wins it for the first time in a ladder match involving Dean Ambrose Dolph Ziggler Luke Harper R-Truth and Stardust uh, unfortunately he had to vacate that due to injury in, in what at the time match. that wasn't his last match is it not no he he had it for a little bit his last match was against Sheamus did he wrestle did he defend it I don't After know. WrestleMania, I thought that was his last match. No, he, he had a couple matches. He, he had a SmackDown match against Sheamus. Did he? Mm. Yeah, fair enough. It's the last match of yeah. note. At the time, we thought that was this. This here was Daniel Bryan's last ever involvement in the ring. We did. Yeah. So he vacated it on the Raw. Um, you know, before before announcing that he had to retire. Um, Ryback won it in the Elimination Chamber match I think that's the first time it was defended first and only. in an Elimination Chamber match and thankfully the only um, I don't I think to see it's lower mid-card matches no that was the year else. they also had a tag team Elimination uh, Chamber yeah. match just too overkill overkill unlike WWE oh, yeah. yeah very unlike WWE Kevin Owens won the Intercontinental title at Night of Champions earmarked for greatness from Ryback I don't remember this match no it wasn't special. There's nothing about Ryback was special, to be fair. Um, the Dean pre-show stealer. Won it. <laughs> Dean Ambrose won it from Kevin Owens at TLC in December 15. Lost it to Kevin Owens on Raw 
in a Fatal Five-Way match, which involved Tyler Breeze, Stardust, and Dolph Ziggler as well. Do you remember? Because that was immediately before um, Roadblock, where Dean Ambrose was facing Triple H for the title, yeah. and everyone yes. went, they're yeah. taking it off to Ambrose so he can beat Triple H, and it'll be Ambrose and Reigns. Reigns in the main event at WrestleMania. People are so stupid. Ambrose and Owens had a good, um, had a good at Royal Rumble yeah, Royal 16. Rumble they really had a really match. good last Street man standing. Last man standing, yeah. That was a show opener as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Kevin Owens was about for Dean Ambrose then. Zack Ryder wins, wins it, a seven-way ladder match at WrestleMania. He defeats Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, Stardust, Sin Cara, and The Miz, and Kevin Owens, obviously. Kevin Owens, for me, will always be remembered in this match for taking one hell of a suplex off Sami Zayn. Well, I thought he was oh, dead. Jesus, I thought he was dead. <laughs> People were legitimately really concerned for Kevin Owens after the match. Because well, it's, just the, it's just the fact that he, he just didn't move. Didn't move, but, but that's just Not only did he not move after taking it, he didn't move for about 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what Stone Cold should have done. <laughs> just let it pass. Um, I don't know if a broken neck passes. <laughs> true. Well, it did because he wasn't paralysed anymore. Um, not, not without. <laughs> well, no. Zack Ryder held it for a day, so that's terrible. And we he got the return of the Marie. Marie of the Marie of Marie. Uh, she yeah returned. To, um, that was nice to see. Um, that was really creepy. That <laughs> smile you just gave me. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she helped the Miz beat Zack Ryder in front of his dad. Brilliant. Um, then Dolph Ziggler won it for the Miz in the title versus career match. This this Miz title reign was good. This was the first real reign where it was bringing it back to prominence. It was, we had the, yeah. the first lengthy do, title reign do you remember in three years. We had the um, Extreme Wars Fatal Four way with Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Cesaro. Yeah, that was a brilliant match. Yeah, that that was under the Miz's reign, his yeah. tutelage. Um, Dolph Ziggler and the Miz exchanged titles then. And the Miz won it back on SmackDown Live, only to lose it to Dean Ambrose, who then took the title with him to Raw when there was a superstar shakeup last year. Um, he lost it to Miz at Extreme Rules, and then, of course, in the last you know few months, Miz lost it to Roman Reigns, only to win it back at Raw 25, and then losing it to Seth Rollins, Seth's first Intercontinental title at WrestleMania 34 in the Triple Threat match, also involving Finn Balor. What was my favourite match of the night? Up there. And that's the history. Doing, that's the history of doing the Intercontinental title. Um, yeah, a long title history with a lot of title changes, um, but some really, really classic, classic matches along the way. And I'll make it continue. Seth Rollins is doing and I mean, great stuff. If you look at the list of people who've had it, there's. Very, um, very few people in that list where you go, oh, really? Yeah. A lot of the people you're there's like, yeah, yeah. There's obviously a few. <laughs> there's a few regardless of what yeah. title you're looking at. But yeah, you look, you look all the way through that list, and loads of them you just go, yep. A current Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, you know, just the list of the people who've won it in the last two years: the Miz, Dolph Ziggler, Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins. Kevin Owens before that. It's... These are, if you look at like if you if you remove Zack Ryder from that situation, scroll Everyone, up a bit. You should just remove Zack Ryder from every situation. If you remove Zack Ryder, Ryder from that Ryder situation, Ryder back. <laughs> yeah, you going back over three years now. Every one of the champions, apart from those ones, have been world champion. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. 
Uh, I still would prefer it if they didn't become world champion before the Intercontinental Championship. But yeah, yeah, you can't have everything. Anyway, I think that's enough talk of the Intercontinental title for this week, don't you think? That's enough talk for this week. That's enough talk in general. So bye, see ya. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Um, we've got our obviously obligatory outro to do, which everybody loves. Um, all I'm going to say this week is follow us on Twitter. It's at the underscore PWP. The same on Instagram, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. It is. Matt, where can I find you? The Bear and Bumby. At the Bear and Bumby. Aiden, where can I'm I find sorry, you? I'm sorry, at the Bear and Bumby. Where can they find me? Yep. On Twitter. You can find or me on Milton Keynes. Don't find me on Milton Keynes. <laughs> Being <You> creepy. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, both the same, at Aiden Bunker. You can find me on Twitter at AliBunker88. Um, we've been the PWP. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye.